Bienvenue to the Lose Podcast. We are coming to you from the Haute Rue Pyrenees Bonsoir. in France. I'm Spencer Paulison here with Matt Mallo, hello, my friend. Who uh, we are here riding the seven day event. We're going to do daily podcasts. This is stage two. Pow pow. Catch up. Yep, we're in po or pow as we like to say in mm-hmm. our terrible American accents. Yeah. Uh, catch up on stage one. We did that yesterday, if you haven't heard it yet. And we also did a prologue podcast as well. But essentially, we're here. We're going to talk about the ride, talk about the climbs. We're going to get into the history of some of these awesome climbs. And then Matt, being a wine expert, a wine importer, mm. he's going to tell us Not about... the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to tell us about the, the delicious wines that you can have in these regions and places. And maybe it'll inspire you to check it out. And... Uh, if you're here, find some, or maybe you can find some in your local wine salesperson's place. You've got to have recovery drinks, right? So yes. A little bit of wine. Grape juice. Good for you. Very good for you. Uh, stage two. It was 158.1 kilometers from po to po, pow to pow, pow pow. Oh, yeah. I. Uh, it was nice. It was a little bit of a later wake up this morning. Not like... It wasn't that much later. No, we We're still st- rolled out of the race at 7.30. Still early. Still so. like sunrise-ish, yeah. basically. But 40 minutes goes a long way in the morning. Yeah, anytime it's before 6, if the alarm is before 6, that's that's a concern for me. That's the danger zone. That's the danger zone. You don't want to fly there. Nope. Unless you're a maverick. Yeah, You yeah. can do it anytime you want. But uh, we got up, uh, you know, we got up, did the breakfast thing, and we rolled down to the start. It really wasn't too far that was from really our cool. hotel. But yeah, it was. Yeah, it was totally cool because, you know... City of Poe is, it's kind of nice. It's, it's all right. It's, um, it's really quiet right now because sure. I think everyone's on their summer vacation, the usual French holiday they always have in August. Yes. So they were long holidays. It was mellow. Everybody's at the beach or in the mountains. Yeah. So. It, it was mellow to get out of town. And, uh, we just kind of, well, we didn't even really get out of town. We just kind of rolled down to the riverside where, uh, the start was. And we went down this awesome street that's painted with the names of all of the cyclists who have ever won Tour de France stages in Poe. Really cool. Really, really cool. And um, it's just a great uh, reminder of how important cycling is to French culture, to a city like Poe that always seems to host major cycling races, especially the Tour. And, um, you know, the interesting thing, too, is it's, yeah, we're close to the Pyrenees, but a lot of those names are sprinters because it's, you know, people are, they they come here to get started for the Pyrenees. Yeah, it's often the entree to the Pyrenees. It's a good launching point. So you've either got stages finishing here, uh, you know, and then starting off as they go, as we did, into the deeper part of the Pyrenees. Yeah, for instance, Marcel Kittle won a stage here. Kittle's at the top of the hill because he's the the latest number. First time he's ever at the top of the hill, I'd say, probably. Might very well be. Exactly. We started right down there uh, and it was also actually you know what we also started on is part of a Grand Prix uh, uh, car racing Formula course. 2 Formula 2 yeah um, yeah the, the Pau Prix Pau Prix Potpourri Pau Potpourri Potpourri Pau Prix love it sponsorship opportunity right yeah, there get in there get in on it we started off and headed up into the mountains and it was a little nervous people were yeah. kind of yeah. it was a fast and furious rollout really kind of a toboggan ride through the rolling hills in the bottom uh getting out of town yeah some people jump in some some barriers yeah know, well yeah jump in the, the road furniture yeah the, like the cobbled uh, uh roundabouts uh for no reason Mm-mm. didn't achieve anything uh, with that in the neutral part yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh just being dodgy yeah, yeah. just generally being, being just being an italian guy yeah italian guys yeah <laughs> who knows but anyway it was a, a bit of a hectic start but it was really fun too yeah, it was fun. That fast bit through with dark forest, this like twisting road that was the turns were mostly banked and yeah, 
we were just going real fast. And between that and the road furniture, those yeah. two things to me just help emphasize how hard it is to do like a Tour de France stage and to to sit in a group that's obviously going to go way faster than we did today. Oh, yeah. But and just stay out of trouble and not like smash into like a random piece of road furniture. You've got to have your head like, on swivel Have a problem. Day. And yeah, yeah. And these twisting roads, it's... It gives you new respect for it, and it also gives you a, a better understanding and a sort of, I guess, more sympathy when you see, like, I, you know, Contador seems to crash a lot in the early stages of tours. Absolutely. Things like that, you're like, okay, I can kind of see how that's a problem if you're just not 100% perfect in your positioning. It takes one second. It makes it really hard. It's so easy to sort of sit there, you know, and watch them and go, oh, move up, move up. But, you know, it's really difficult when you're blasting through these tiny French country roads, through these little villages where you just don't know what's around the corner. You're just hanging on. And, uh, yeah, it takes all that extra skill and attention that's a that's a whole other thing in itself. But we were tailgunning it, I'd say in general. We were yeah. hanging out at the back, which is smart, honestly. In some of those ro- in some of those cities, where you just hang back and you let people like figure it out, and gives you give, give a little room for the breaking. Absolutely. But um, you know, it all comes back together because you get on these climbs, and sure enough, oh yeah, we started with the Col de Marie Blanc, classic, and um, that one it's a nine point three k, seven point six percent average. At first, we looked at it and we were a little worried about it. Yeah. Because it seemed like it might be a kind of brutal start. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think in the end we got right over bad. it. Yeah. No. Not it was bad. A, it was a good moment to sort of help spread out the field a bit, too. Oh, yeah, in a big way. You know, that, that always helps. And uh, luckily, it was a bit forested, sort of got up into the lower parts of, of the Pyrenees um, and, and started seeing some great views. And, you know, being nice and shady, and it seemed like a quieter part of the Pyrenees. It's yeah. not quite in the highest part. It's kind of like the first little range. A little um, side side area. Yeah. yeah. But it was a, a nice a nice little way to settle in for the day. And steep at the top, though. Steep kicker, yeah. for sure. But a sick downhill. The downhill was really fun, really yeah. good through the trees. And they just always seem to find a way to bank the, corner, the corners on these roads, which yeah. is awesome. European good roads. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And, um, yeah, like Matt was kind of getting at, it drops you down into this amazing high alpine valley. Mm-hmm. Well, not alpine. High mountain valley. High mountain valley. We aren't in the Alps. Not, not alpine. Alps. You know? High Pyrenean valley. High Pyrenean valley. Thank you. There you go. And mountains in the background. Really, mountains everywhere. It's mountains surrounding. Ringing this valley in a beautiful way yeah. and cross uh, over to the base of uh yeah of the obese it wasn't far to get to the obese we were um we were just cruising along this flat valley um had a little group and the obese it's uh it's a, it's a big one yeah it's a beauty and it's we did it from the side that was the uh what, what village was that yeah we go through you ride up the first few k and then you come to a town called Bo, uh Obone, bono bono yeah bono. Bo- Good water. Good water. Yeah. Therapeutic thermal, thermal and mi- mineral waters right. coming down from the flumes and the gorges. Yeah. It was, um, it's a funny one though, because it feels like it should be starting, but it's not quite. And then, and then until you, have you go through that village, it didn't start. Go through the village and then you start seeing the signs. You right. know, there's always signs on these famous climbs right. that are permanent. It's very cool. Again, another indication of how important cycling is. But you guys know that. You don't need to be told that. But it's great because every time, every kilometer, there's a sign. It's good sometimes, Gives but you, then you get yeah, to know, yeah. you know, when it says the average 10% for the next K, then you know you're on for a really steep grade. And, that is discouraging. And that it's is. also really funny, too, because what we've started to notice all the time is that, you know, it'll say average uh, 8% for the next K, or sometimes it'll say 5% for the next K, and that means you go downhill for a part of it, and then you hit a 13% ramp, which did happen a little bit on the obese, but it wasn't terrible. No, not bad. Not bad. 
And, um, but it's such a cool climb. Just amazing, amazing views of these huge, huge rocky mountains that are just jagged cliffs. Some of the most dramatic mountains I think I've ever seen. Totally. Uh, and it switchbacks its way up. Pretty, pretty like manageable gradient overall. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. Yeah, it's an even keeled climb bad, across yeah. the across the whole thing. It seemed like. And, yes. You know, it's one of those kind of classics of a lot of a lot of hollowed territory up on the Albisk, and it's got those those cool bicycles on the top. Yeah, the bike. Yeah, the little bike statues. Bike are, statues. Yeah, they're very well. They're like metal, I guess. From, yeah, they're. It's an art installation. It's an art installation. Yeah. You know, they're they've got like the the jerseys, the polka dot, and the uh, yellow jersey and things like that yeah, from the tour. Yeah, that's cool. And it's, it's a really cool scene. The top is also. It doesn't like kick hard at the top. It kind of almost rolls a little and mm -hmm. gives you a moment to enjoy it. And yeah. then drop down a bit um, and then hop right onto the Col de Soulor, different yeah. from yesterday. So here's, it's confusing. Col de Sudet versus Col de Soulor. See, you know, for English speakers like us. Easy to get mixed up. So today, trips you up. So much Soulor. more pronounceable in general. Right, exactly. So that's the theory. More pronounceable coals are Slightly easier to climb. Easier. Yeah. Right. And you can't be pronouncing that. You are really going to be in trouble. Yeah. And looking at tomorrow, mm, I'm scared. Yeah. The first one is hard to pronounce. Yeah. We don't so. know what that's called yet. <laughs> so down to the Col de Soulor, we had a kind of hairy tunnel that we went through. That was oh, very yeah, dark. That was a little sketchy. Very dark. Wet. Very wet. Mm -hmm. um, but, Absolutely no lighting, so you just gotta trust that you're gonna make it. Yeah, just. But you may as well close your eyes. Yeah, it's dark anyway. We survived it. It was made fun. it. Got on Col de Soulor. It's really not much of a climb. It's no, like we were kind of right on the ridge line. Couple kilometers. Yeah, it's, and then it punched to the top of Soulor. Yeah, and that's one of the cool things, really, just in general about the Pyrenees and climbing here in general. You can cruise these ridge lines and pop up and down and do little extra climbs, sort of like yesterday when we did the. Burden Kurcharetta. See, see here we go. Yeah. yeah, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is the hard to pronounce names. Burden Kurcharetta and then Bagargui. That was like a little kind of Ridgeline devil guy. horn thing. Mm -hmm. And the same sort of deal with Obisque and Sudet. Yeah. No, Sulor. Sulor. We won't get it right. Nope. Uh, that was uh, that was it. That was the last climb. Yeah, then Just we bombed down that thing. Bombed it. Yeah, that yep. was fun. Um, little, a little, little gravelly on some of the corners low. Which yeah, is, especially in the lower part, the village, the village weird. pavement yeah. started to get a little of that Pyrenees kind of kind of chip top a little bit. Yeah, a little, little chip seal. Yeah, yeah. Mostly good. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was like we finished and it didn't feel, we were like, oh, we're done already. Oh, okay. That's kind of nice. C'est bon. Really, c'est bon. Um, good day. Yeah, good day all in all on the Definitely. bike. Yeah, got all the... Got all the kinks out from yesterday. So this podcast mini-series here at the Hogart is brought to you by Topical Edge Lotion. This is a pre-ride sports lotion that helps buffer lactic acid, uh, essentially using a bicarbonate formula. And the thing about it is it's actually been tested in laboratories uh, independently uh, by this uh, this doctor, uh, Dr. Mark Kern at San Diego State University. And the studies show that it, it helps people recover faster, uh, lower heart rate and perceived exertion at uh, the same workload when you're riding, for instance, and uh, it helps you get more fuel to your muscles. Uh, Topical Edge, I've been using it throughout the whole route so far, it's been working great. And uh, you know, if you're interested, if you wanna give it a shot, we actually have an offer where you can get a pair of these packets for free, try it yourself. You just go to topicaledge.com slash velonews and you can request your free sample. Just give it a try, see if it works for you. I think it's great, and um, I, we're definitely gonna keep using it throughout the whole route, and maybe 
It'll be our secret to success here in France. Hope so. All right, Matt, enough talk about our biking. Let's talk about some wine. Yeah, biking's boring. Wine is fun. <laughs> yeah, so I import natural wine, and Spencer was saying to me, what is natural wine? And I said, that's a very common question, so we should talk about that mm -hmm. a little bit. So, And uh, sidebar, the reason we're talking about this is because we totally had a mulligan last night with our dinner plans. Oh, yeah. We went to a very, very French bistro. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a particularly complimentary way. No. But uh, we Let's drank a say, little rosé. Yeah, well, just a couple guys drinking some rosé. Hey, what, okay. nothing wrong with that. No hey, come way. on. Very refreshing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just had the local... and. For one, uh, I'll say that when I like travel, you know, wine importer, uh, I visit my producers often in Italy and France. Uh, that said, you know, when I'm out in the countryside, I often just opt for the table wines. No, they're not going to be generally natural wines unless you really have your eyes open for them. But that said, they're always good sort of uh, kind of peer into the local world of wine. So don't be afraid. Get that cheap local table wine, white, red, rosé. Uh, and sort of enjoy it that way. I think that's just sort of, that's a pro tip, wine pro tip. Good tip. Okay, you know. so back to the natural wines. What are we talking about here? Natural wines, yeah. I mean, to me, it all comes back down to wine being an agricultural product. If it's made with just grapes uh, and fermentation, then you've got wine. And so, you know, natural wine is, first of all, there's no good explanation for it because natural wine, quote unquote, there's no definition of that. It's really kind of a gray area um, and you know there's a lot of sort of issues with calling something say naturally made wine um, people have to intervene to make wine they have to make choices but those choices can either involve you know sort of kind of chemical uh, agriculture sort of industrial agriculture or they can involve very natural agriculture so lack of pesticides lack of herbicides um, essentially minimal as minimal as possible intervention without chemicals in the vineyards. That produces very healthy, lively grapes with yeasts that are very vibrant, that are on the uh, grape skins, and that wine can actually, those grapes can actually ferment by themselves. So this is true natural fermentation. Um, and that there helps give a great snapshot to the, ter the quote-unquote terroir, sort of the, the place and sort of the sum of all the pieces that go into what makes wine taste good. And so natural wine essentially is trying to get down to the bottom line of that, as making it as just from grapes as possible. And um, it's not something to get super hung up on, but it is something to, to know about, you know. It's, it's nice to sort of think that and know that when you're drinking wine, you're drinking just grapes with as minimal uh, processing as possible. Well, so the, the problem for me, Matt, is I'm... For starters, not really the best shopper in general. Sure. I, I don't like shopping for anything. Yeah. But for I can sure. Tell with those clothes. Yeah, thank you. Um, for sure, when I go into a wine store, I get cross eyed because I just have no idea what's going on. Sure. The labels are confusing, they're in foreign languages. Yeah. Uh, is there at least something we can look for if you say go to a wine shop and actually like want to seek out a, a bottle of natural wine? Short answer, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. The, the, the bottom line is there's no good way to tell a natural wine from another wine. And in fact, often I like to tell consumers that when something is screaming at you, I'm naturally made wine, I'm organic wine, I'm organic whatever, 
that is probably going to be a little bit mm, dissuading to sort of actually finding a natural wine. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> so um, the best thing that I always say, Spencer, if you're in that situation interested in natural wines, find a local shop that is absolutely into natural wine. And what you're going to find is those types of shops whether it's in a neighborhood, city, and wherever, even online, you can see great people around the country doing stuff with natural wine. Follow the shop. The, the people that run those types of shops, I used to run one of those shops. I used to own a small wine shop in Boston. Um, they care about what you drink and not in the same way that you know package stores do. So they're going to answer questions. They're going to point you to the right way. Create a dialogue. Just like you consume other good products, say bread, you want to go see who makes your bread. If you can find someone that makes bread and you know where it comes from, do the same with wine, you know? So uh, it's all about that interaction. Sounds good. That's it. Well, here's the deal. Uh, you know, if you listeners, if you subscribe to Vela News Magazine, mm. uh, we'll just send Matt to your uh, yeah. to your home on a yeah. regular basis and he can help you go I shop for natural wines. Sure. Yeah, that'll be included with subscriptions from now on. So go ahead and subscribe mm. to that magazine, please. Mm. Thanks for signing me up for that. All right, so let's get into some of the history of what we wrote today. There's a lot of times that the race has gone over the obese. The one that I picked up that I think is perhaps most interesting, but it's certainly um, uh, pretty recent at least. No, not that recent, but it's 1996 tour was um, was a pretty memorable time. So Matt, let's um, let me go through some of the stats on this with you, and oh, cool. let me let me see if you're how interested you'd be in, in signing up for this. Yeah, uh, it was a stage that started in Ayol Gazos. Some, something like that. First of um, all, the fact that you can't pronounce it yeah, means whatever it was. Unpronounceable. That's difficult. a problem. That's yeah. a problem. That basically starts at the base of the Col de Soulor. Oh, boy. So we probably just um, rode through there, essentially. Um, went up the Soulor, went up the Obisque, went up the Mary Blanc. So this is like backward of what so we did So they did the Soulor backwards, which yeah. was definitely the hard way. We, we just did the ridge part and then yeah. down. Yeah, and then they did the Mary Blanc, which we did. Um, oh, and then they went over the Sudet, which mm. we did yesterday. Gross. So the, um, I think that's also the opposite of what we did. And then, oh, yeah, then they did the Port de Leroux. I have never ridden that, but it's an HC. Mm. Probably pretty hard. Uh, Cote de Jarrieta. I think this is after they cross into Spain. Oh, uh, Cat 4. Just a Cat 4. And then the Alto de Garralda. Uh, that's also a Cat 4, in, likely in Spain. Oh, and a nice little cruise into Pamplona. Oh, my. So that's a 262-kilometer stage. Get real. Uh, everyone in 1996 was very well prepared for cycling, mm -hmm. uh, very healthy. They had good doctors. Yeah. Uh, the, so the history here is that this was pretty much uh, the end of Miguel Indurain's reign. Uh, Miguelon, the big MIG, he uh, went into this with five Tour de France titles. He was the, Everyone, of course, kind of expected he'd carry on just because he was just so good in his time, uh, and he got dropped. He, yeah. he got dropped on the Col de Sudet, so actually it wasn't what we, he, you know, of course they did the Sular Obese, but um, he actually got dropped on the one we did yesterday. Uh, Which was a monster. Yeah, so. no, yeah, I can understand why. Um, there was a, there was a Henri, Henri, there was a Henri de Grange prize at the top of the Col de Obese, which is the, the highest point of the Tour de France. Hmm. And that's a, a $4,000 preem, pretty solid. Wow. And um, they also had a preem sprint just outside of uh, Vilava, which is Indurain's hometown or his family's home. 
5.5K uh, 5, 5 to finish. So you could tell they kind of expected this to be Miguel Indrain's day. Yeah, they created it for him. They but set it was up a, a special yeah. death march across the Pyrenees. Right. Yeah, they, yeah like, eh, maybe they should have done a time trial instead. Mm. They set up, yeah, they set up the, the Prem outside of his family's home. They pay, they had they had like a ticket system where people could pay thirty bucks to stand on a balcony to look down on it. Amazing. Uh, and, and oh, that actually was in Pamplona in the finish. Still, um, Campagnolo had worked on a special custom triple chainring to help him handle these climbs. Uh, he didn't actually use that. Maybe he should have. Probably it might not have been a bad idea. I mean, coming unraveled on the Sudet sounds like a perfect place for a triple chainring. Yeah, over the top. He had lost like a couple minutes on a group that included none other than our old friend, Bjarne Ries. Ooh. This was Ries's tour. This was the tour that Ries won and then uh, famously, you know, uh, revealed that he had been doping. Whoa, what a shocker. Hmm. And then um, he actually, though, he tried to give back his jersey. He tried to, to vacate the, the win. Wow. A, a, few, a few years ago, I remember this. And um, for whatever reason, the ASO said that he didn't have to do that. So hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Um, either way... Reese got in the group. He was with uh, a number of people. Uh, Richard Veronque, oh, he's a nice guy too. Uh, oh, yeah. And some other, uh, some other of the top guys in that day. And they, uh, they all kind of rolled into the finish there together in Pamplona. And um, when it's all said and done, poor Miguel Indurain had lost eight minutes and 30 seconds. Unbelievable. So that was uh, obviously the end of his reign as a tour champion. That, 15,000 feet of climbing is the stat on the uh, vert for that day. That's gross. Um, they finished. So here's the thing. We're here in Po, and it is scorching hot right now. Really hot. And I'm imagining they get some pretty similar weather down in Pamplona. Probably hotter. Maybe more. They finished, like, late afternoon, if not, like, dinner time. It Oof. must have just been brutally hot over those final climbs. Oh, my God. That must have been just heinous. So that's the story there. That's the... Um, yeah, kind of a it's a bit of a combination of the yeah, two days we've done. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that just goes to show Tour de France can just do two hot route stages in one day for kicks. Yeah, just time together. Why not? <laughs> Make it easy. you got to get to Pamplona somehow, don't you? <laughs> Who knows? Well, that's, um, yes, yeah, so that's the 1996 Tour. Oh, by the way, sorry, I forgot to say, that was, just to be specific, that was stage 17 of the 96 Tour. And... Um, yeah, that's uh, that's our little story there, and uh, really interesting. That, that leaves us with one section remaining for this podcast, like we did yesterday. Mm. As I said, Matt and I are not really relevant to the daily award ceremony. No, we no. made our own up. We made our own award ceremony up. We're doing our own daily awards here at the Hold Route. Let's get back into it. We've got a few repeats from yesterday that we can get the repeat categories, I should say. <laughs> we got kit accessory award. Oh. Um, I think uh, it's kind of... Sleeveless vest guy? Yeah, I think the sleeveless jersey with the vest. Yeah, that was, that, was the, that was the highlight of my morning. That was a nice one. And in general, sleeveless jerseys were de rigueur The guns today. were out today. Sun's out, guns out. Yeah. The guys, everyone, I, ladies and guys were, were rocking the sleeveless. Yep. Maybe we should have. I know. Even out the tan I gotta lines. I got to keep my tan lines just right, though. Oh, you used to not be into the tan lines. Mm, keep it going now. I thought you were like hitting the beach and stuff. No, I keep my jersey on at the beach now. Oh, one of those. Pro All tip. Right, fair enough. Um, I feel like there's some photo of of Mario Cipollini like riding totally naked recently. I mean, he was my hero. Yeah, there <laughs> That's you go. awesome. There you go. That's I think awesome. he was. I think. He... I wouldn't doubt it. Whew. Probably a photo op in Egypt on some beach or something. Uh, as one does. Mm-hmm. 
What's next? What's next? Oh, let's see. The reject of the day. No, it's the regret of the day. There you go. Maybe I'm the reject of the day. I'm uh, also a couple hundred K into this, so now we're getting really tired. Yep. Yeah, these are going to really go Daily down. regret. We're going to go downhill fast here. Mm. Uh, okay, what was your regret of the day? Hmm, probably that time when I was trying to get all the recovery drink into me and just decided to open it extremely fast, at which point it exploded all over our hotel room. And, well, yeah. the powder. Well, it was the powder. Yeah. 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 And um, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm already sort of lining up my uh, excuse for tomorrow, not having enough recovery, hyper-recovery drink. So. Yeah, it's like the little scratch rescue packet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were kind of like cupping your hand. Yeah, I had to pour it. it I was, got a little bit left in my hand. It was full of the powder. Scraping off and my clothes. Yeah, there's a bunch on the on the table in the we hotel. We were considering doing a line of it, but yeah, it we looked just considered like, better to that. It looked like an 80s club or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, How about your regret? Uh, I don't have anything as funny as that. I think probably mine is just like, we went to the, we got to the top of the obesque and I was like, well, we just have like this little bump, downhill. go a little hump up the Sulor and then downhill. So I was like, yeah, we'll be all right. Like, we won't fill up. Yeah, we decided not to top up, just kind of try to make it really fast. Trying to blaze it. Yeah. And um, I got kind of thirsty. Fortunately... The valley was hot down the bottom. Yeah, fortunately our friend Jim from Great Britain, he saved me with a bottle. Mm. Gel too. You're bumming water already. Yeah, he's a friend of the podcast, so I'm awesome. sure, sure he's listening. So I owe him for that one. I don't know how I'm going to pay him back, but I do owe him. So that's my regret. Not that exciting. But, um, okay, so the weird moment of the day. It's tough to top yesterday's, the, the, the group shower where you're just like hanging <laughs> yeah, out. That was a particular Rugby special. shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, go back and listen to that one. Um, I, man, I think there is one that's pretty good, though. Oh, yeah, kind of at the end of the day there. What? When you were topping up your bottle and you couldn't get water to get poured into it? No, no, no. Oh, the Scandinavians? No, 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 the weird moment of the day has got to be the guy with the wheelbarrow. Oh, the wheelbarrow guy. Yeah. See, I'm totally out of it. So we're bombing down that first yeah, descent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, we're seeing, of course, a very classic scene. We're looking at the Pyrenees as we kind of jet down this mountain. And, of course, you know, French farmer wheeling his wheelbarrow full of agricultural products straight down some 14% gradient. Yeah, we're know, going -morning. so fast. Yeah, I did say bonjour. You did. That was mm -hmm. kind of you. Yeah. He was totally looking the opposite direction, too, so he had oh, yeah. no he idea had no we idea. were bearing down yeah, on him. Yeah, blasting by him. Yeah, and sidebar, it is, it's very pleasant how, to, a, to the person almost, French, like the French will just say bonjour to you. We like this. No matter what is happening. Yeah, I like it too. No matter what is happening, yeah. they'll like drop everything, look at you and be like, bonjour. I mean, while we were getting our kebabs, some guy was coming in. He said hello he to did, us. He bonjour. did. He uh, did. Like any given climb. Yeah. Someone will be like kind of like monkeying with their car or trying to jam a bunch of picnic supplies into their trunk. Yeah. And they'll just stop. See you riding up and be like, bonjour. Yeah. They probably can't get anything done when there's a hot route riding up this climb. No way. You'll just have to say bonjour to everyone stop. all day long. Yeah, they got nothing else to do. You, you just, if you're in one of these villages, you're not going to be doing anything for the entire day except no. saying bonjour to guys riding the hot route. No, and, or and, go, and guys people, and gals. people that you're going down, some of the people that are going up are saying bonjour as you're going down. Yeah. And, you know, and you're bombing past some cars sometimes too. And even them, they're looking over being like, wow, bonjour. Exactly. Well... Good on them, though. That's, yeah. very, that's very kind. We like that part, France. Last award. Last award. Okay. There's a lot of Scandinavians this race. A lot yeah. Of Norwegians yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. Swedish folks. They skipped the Arctic folks. race of the Norway. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I like their names. Oh, yeah. Great names. I think we should pick out our favorite um, Scandinavian names spotted today. Okay. You go first. 
Um, I think mine is probably this guy who we were kind of leapfrogging with on the obese. Uh, yeah. He's a Swedish guy. His name is Hakan. Oh, that's a good one. Well, it gets better, though. Mm-hmm. I can't, this isn't going to translate on a podcast, but it's the A with the circle dealy thing on like the top. The, I think it's an angstrom, or is that a measurement of some physics measurement? It but might be. It's an angstrom, I, I think. I don't know. But yeah, it's got the A with the circle. But you got to like it when there's a there's a weird letter character mixed in. Especially that the Oru people have printed that particular character, too. That's attention to detail. It is attention to detail, yes. And respect for cultures. Yes. For sure. I oh, guess okay. I really enjoyed riding in with this guy named Knute. I like Canute. Yeah, That's Canute was name. good. Um, we had similar jerseys on too, so I respected his style. Yeah, you guys are on the Rafa tip. Yeah, we're on the Rafa. Looking classy. Yeah, keeping it, keeping it classy. Mm-hmm. That's good. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. We are headed off onto stage three tomorrow. Arrive from Po to Tarb, and that's via a, the Tourmalet. Yep, big one. Highest point of the Haute route. So 153 kilometers, 3,050 meters of climbing. Ugh, don't tell me. Col de Spandels. See, see, that's an unpronounceable word. Worried. That's trouble. Everybody says worry about that. Okay. And then Col de Tourmalet, the monster, 19 kilometers, 7.3%. Oof, that's going to be hard. Scorcher. So tune in tomorrow. We'll tell you how it goes. We'll tell you about some other fun stuff. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Topical Edge for sponsoring this podcast. And we will hit you later. Thank you.